for the past 18 months and more, we have had this unwanted, involuntary curriculum called a pandemic. On this global scale, we have been asked to do extraordinary things with our lives, most often just staying still and staying away from each other. And how that has impacted every aspect of our lives has been profound, beginning as far back as the winter of last year, of the previous year. It's been so long, I'm losing track. On this global scale, we have shared this experience, even though every experience has been different for each of us. As we are entering into this, as we're feeling, continue to feel our way, I am reminded about how way back months ago, even at that moment, we were starting to say, what will be different? What will be revealed? What will be new and changed because of this experience? You know, what will be the new normal? How might the world be different on the other side? And for each of us and for us in Unitarian Universalism, what is our part of that new path? So I want to begin to explore that. And in doing so, I ended up actually beginning with the sermon from last week. So this ended up being a two-part kind of conversation. Now last week I talked a lot about the history, um, our, our past chapter in Unitarian Universalism of the Transcendentalists, those of Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, Margaret Fuller, uh, uh, Theodore Parker, and so many more. So this is kind of a two-part separated by 150 years of history, but, but we're bringing it in. We have had this legacy that we are exploring. Because what we inherited from the transcendentalists, among other things, planted the seeds of the strength and the opportunities we have, as well as some of the challenges to overcome. But let me begin. From very early in our pandemic, those of us who examine the social condition and advocate for individual worth, for justice, and for more just economic systems could see that, that much was going to appear and be revealed in this time because everything had to stop and shift, including how we worked, how we played, how we did education, everything. So much was revealed. But also, not just uh, from the pandemic, but so much was also revealed in the course of the year, in particular in 2020, and then continuing on into this year as well. Our social concerns that may have been normal for other people, but were not actually okay, or right, or just, such as police violence against black, indigenous folks, and people of color. We had the Black Lives Matter rallies. Remember those? Let's not forget those. 
We had legal struggles in prosecuting those who killed Ahmaud Arbery, uh, George Floyd, Bianca Taylor, Tony McDade, and more. May they all who have died in this past 18 months in such conditions, may they all rest in power, and may they not be forgotten either. We've had the impact on those who've lost jobs or childcare, or who remained at work because they had to and were afraid of bringing this illness home to their families, and also how many in fact did. We have had the upheaval of our systems of support no school, which didn't just mean no, uh, no in-person education for children, but it also meant no meals for people who were food insecure. There was not seeing friends and family. There was the loss of the, the informal, cobbled together systems of childcare, and loss of school and purpose for older youth and those in college, those young adults in college as well. What's been revealed is the gaps of access in technology, the lack of consistent internet made it impossible for children to participate in what teachers in schools could put together. And what was also revealed was how many working conditions were truly not sustainable. How many millions of people were enduring in low wage and long hours in various service industries in particular, and could not get out of the cycle of low income circumstances. And what was also revealed were elected leaders who failed to help address public health needs, and some even tried to benefit politically and economically from it. And of course, millions of people ill and hundreds of thousands of us just in this country dying. What's also been revealed, what was also revealed, was how much our voices matter when we organize and when we vote. As Howard Zinn reminded us, these actions add up. Oh, yeah, and then there's the climate. But, you know, that's another sermon. But early on in the conversation, early on in, this, uh, in the course of 2020, this shared upheaval reveals so much and more than what I just offered. But what also people were starting to ask very early on was how shall we live on the other side? Not quite knowing what the other side of a pandemic would even be like. Eh, we're still in it. But we're getting to, getting to figure out, we're having enough space to figure out our lives and our courses. What was, for some people, they had the critical question for themselves of asking, what was killing us slowly that doesn't need to continue? What can we change? So some of the things that have already been seen is that people are finding more freedom and liberty in working at home. Uh, we have less 
environmental impact from commuting. And for some of us, it's been easier to care for our lives, for our families, for our parents, for the adults in our lives, the older adults, for some of us who are also caregivers in that direction as well. People have had a chance to think about what they want to do and start training for maybe a dream or at least a different job. And maybe that's one and the same. What was new information or more in-depth information um, for some of us about racism and inequity as experienced by historically marginalized communities, that is more known by more of us as well. And what's also, also known is how much we as human beings need each other how we are deeply, profoundly, unmistakably, unshakably, irresistibly interdependent. I mean, we have the microcosm of that here, of just plain missing church and people, right? Can I get an amen? (laughs) Amen, just missing, just missing the life that's been shared in the ways that we can in just this, this beloved community. We've had shifts that have impacted our habits and how we live. It's revealed that it takes a while to learn how to do church again. Just church again. You're all doing a great job. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming in on Zoom and on Facebook. And and if you're listening to the podcast, we have a podcast too, did you know? All the ways that we enter into this community. Wow, there's a lot to think about with this new normal and what that might mean. It's going to take maybe more than one sermon, I'll just tell you now. But, but let's, let's focus. Let's focus for a minute here. And I'll tell you what helped me actually come together was the new issue of National Geographic. It came with a story. The cover story is about um, the power of revolution, and it's about the transformation of transportation uh, into a more electric world. Planes, trains, automobiles, based in electricity and not on fossil fuels. Boy, do we need this now. Boy, have we needed this for a long time. And so by itself, that That cover story is an exploration of possibility, what is coming into reality in our world. That by itself is compelling. But the article that caught my attention, the article that caught my attention is inside and it's on pay inequity. The title of it is The Persistence of Pay Inequity by Helena Maria Viramontes. And in it, she talks about the cultural experience of having, uh, having observed, lived in a powerful, well-bonded, strong Latina family who took pride in work. And that work meant physical, hard physical labor of the service industry, of farming, um, 
of picking crops and so on. But you could take pride in taking care of the family because you know, the sign of how you, you're kind of the love language, the, the showing of worth was measured by how much physical work you did. And there is much to be said for that. But what she also was talking about with her family was helping them to understand that sometimes sitting and thinking is work too. And it wasn't until the first time that she could show her mother the check that she received from a, an article that was published in a, in, a, in a magazine. When she showed her mother the check, it was like $25, but it was a real amount of money. Then her mother said, ah, that is work too. We're struggling with valuing each other and each other's work. And how much we are suffering from the legacy of how women's work has been devalued. Women of all racial and cultural groups are progressively lower on the scale when compared to the income per dollar of a white man. For uh, Asian women, it's something in the high 88 cents per one dollar. Uh, for white women, it's somewhere at 82 cents. And for black women and uh, other folks of color, it's progressively smaller amounts compared to one dollar. This has been around for a long time. This is nothing new information, but we're quantifying it and measuring it and bringing that out into this moment when we're wondering about the value of each other's worth and work and what might be different. What I appreciated in her article was simply the question of how we need to really choose what we value and make that happen. How to really bring our values to life. And this, this is what's helping me kind of focus on what is the new normal going forward for a congregation such as this. So let me go back to what we've been inheriting. What are some of our values? A couple of which come from our transcendentalists, right? They're, they were so focused on the direct experience of individuals in the world, that there is nothing between the individual and all that is, that each of us is worthy of having that kind of powerful relationship, that each of us within has that kind of power, and that that should be encouraged and nurtured and supported in every one of us. And the seeds of that, that they planted and lived into, led them to being, part, being actively part of, of getting rid uh, of slavery in this country. And we have inherited that theologically and in our sense of service as well. That each of us has a part of the truth. That each of us can be part and parcel of making a difference in the world. 
that each of us has the capacity to learn more, to be more, to discover more. And that we have this liberty inside ourselves and with each other to be continually engaged in spiritual exploration. That we come together freely in the exercise of this and in freely choosing to be together, we can do more together. We have this opportunity for ultimate optimism because all that is within us and before us and that could come from our efforts together. And we connect. We connect with our world in this effort. Why? It's why we resonate with nature and environmentalism and the reminder that not just individuals are precious, but the whole world is precious. We have this opportunity for the great experiment. To be what Unitarian Universalism is, is a place of possibility. And to continue to remember what has been revealed. We are open to continuous revelation. That's one of our hallmarks as a faith. If we don't have a fixed sense of the truth, that there's always more to learn. But we can remember what has been learned and revealed in this past 18 months and not forget in our eagerness to say, boy, I want to go out and like enjoy pumpkins and apples with all these people around me once again. I mean, we need that too. We need like our, our going out and enjoying and being with each other. And in our, but not let our eagerness to have kind of life go back the way it was. Don't forget what we're also obligated and connected to and what we have learned. Because this is how, because one of the, re, one of the functions in Unitarian Universalism, this is, we don't just like enjoy all this random truth and say, ooh, shiny truth all over the place. This is great. Because, I mean, you know, it is. But we also expect ourselves and each other to learn and do something with that. To keep moving forward to become a place of possibility that also then becomes wise and active and not just rest in our comfort of knowing that we're wise, right? We get to know the world directly and not take this world for granted, not forget those early ideas of this pandemic we retain what we have learned. This is one of the most powerful moments of collective awareness, even as it has been singularly brutal emotionally and physically and systemically. To what shall we choose our being and our values to be committed to and to put into action? As theologian James Luther Adams reminds us, we must put our values into action for them to actually be worth something. And so we'll continue to raise this question as we go forward, as we're looking at our social justice efforts, as we're looking at what it means to be a community. Uh, worship for the coming month will be continuing to explore not necessarily easy questions, but some real challenges as well about our history, about how we treat the body, about how we take care of ourselves.
Let me close with let me close with Ralph Waldo Emerson. It reminds us, within us is the soul of the whole, the wise silence, the universal beauty to which every part and particle is equally related, the eternal one. When it breaks through our intellect, it is genius. When it breathes through our will, it is virtue. When it flows through our affection, it is love. And when it breaks into our actions, the world is renewed that what we value is made manifest and given, and given form and given life. Our answer to what is the new normal is what we are willing to embody and go forward and make real. Let us take that to heart. Amen. And as the musical duo Ma Muse reminds us, it is time. Now, it is time now that we thrive. It is time now that we learn to lead in love. Let us have our music from Mom Muse.